0: You are listening to the System Sammy podcast episode number 209. Today, we're going to be talking about how to accomplish more in 90 days than you used to in a year. Stay tuned. Hey, I'm Jordan, and my business love language is efficiency because who doesn't want to sip pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? We're here to help overworked one-woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs, and now with over 150,000 downloads, this is the System Save Me podcast. Hey, hey, y'all. I'm super, super stoked for this guest to come on today because... I'm an avid listener of her podcast. So I was like, I have to have her on. Like, this is just like crazy that I haven't had her on yet. And so I'm super, super excited to be able to shine a light on Miss Rachel Cook today. So Rachel, how are you doing?
1: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. I'm super excited because we both are in the productivity world. And I, you know, it's funny because I even remember you as yogipreneur oh my God. like those days, which I don't even know how long ago that was, but you've been doing what you're doing with like sweet spot strategy for a while. And so like, I've been knowing about you for a very long time. <laughs> that is going back. Yeah, exactly. So go ahead and tell a little bit about you and your business to the listeners who haven't heard of you before.
1: Sure. I am a business growth strategist for women entrepreneurs who are ready to start and scale service-based businesses. And I am the founder of the CEO Collective, which is the current iteration of my business. Over the last 12 years, I've had a few different iterations. As Jordan mentioned, I have been the yogipreneur when I started in 2008, but now I am stepping into the next evolution of my own business, helping more women entrepreneurs go from stressed out solopreneur to confident CEO inside of the CEO collective.
0: Yay. Awesome. Awesome. And so today we are going to be talking specifically about how you can accomplish more in 90 days than you used to in a year. And I don't know about you, but that is very, very enticing to me. And again, I listened to Rachel's show, Promote Yourself to CEO, and I... encourage you guys to listen to that we'll have a link in the show notes but if you are somebody who is a total like planning fanatic you need to be listening to her podcast and so again i'm thrilled that she's here to discuss this with us today and before she talks about her steps and everything i really want to ask you you know what do or what did your clients' businesses look like before they really put the CEO planner in place?
1: Yeah, the CEO planner has been an evolution, as many things are. What happened was I started creating this system about five or six years ago, and for a while I was implementing it myself and then teaching my one-on-one clients how to follow this planning system and specifically this weekly accountability process that's a part of the planner now. And what we started seeing very quickly was people were saving a ton of time every single week. I would say on average, they were saving five to 10 hours a week of What was before just wasted time. They were focusing on the higher value activities in their business as in those big marketing and sales activities that actually bring in the clients and the cash flow, which was amazing. So they were starting to see incredible results to the effect of some of them were doubling or tripling their businesses in under a year simply because they were focused on doing the right things at the right time and not letting the minutia of business kind of snowball them in busy work
0: and I think what I mean if you haven't experienced this I would be very very shocked because again when it comes to juggling all the things it's just what I have found anyway is as you kind of continue to hit different revenue milestones or bringing on new team members there's a whole nother level of planning that has to happen (laughs) Yep. <laughs> it's not that planning has to go away or that, you know, it gets easier per se, that it really is more about like, okay, what is it that we are going to have to do an extra level of planning of, you know, now that I have a team, you know, we need to have our, our launch dates planted really somewhat at least a half year in advance if not a full year so that everybody knows and those are kind of whatever what you would call it blackout dates. And so that everybody knows like you can't take vacations or really time off during this period. So again, it's I love that you touch on you know your philosophy around planning and I'm excited to dive even deeper. So what are the steps to again, accomplish more in 90 days than you or have done in the past year?
1: Yeah. So I actually highly recommend you grab a pen, everyone, (laughs) because you're going to want to dive into some of these things. Yes. The first thing I recommend doing is actually blocking out time to set your 90 day goals and not just setting goals that are aspirational goals, like a specific revenue number or the specific size of your list. Aspirational goals are great, but I want you to focus on check offable goals that you are committing to taking an action in order to achieve. So, an example of this, I'm actually looking at my CEO planner right now. So, I can tell you one of my annual goals is to have 52 episodes of my podcast going out. So, my quarterly goal becomes recording and publishing 13 episodes of the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast. Why this is so powerful? One, this is a big part of my overall marketing strategy. My podcast, probably like this podcast for Jordan is a big part of the nurture marketing I do to get potential clients to decide if they want to take the next step towards working with me. So I know it's important for me to make that a priority. And I make sure that it's something that is within my control. (laughs) That's really important when you're setting your goals for the year or for the quarter. I hope that by publishing this episode consistently, it helps me to achieve those client goals. And as you get more data, you know, you find the correlation between how many things you do and how many people you'll get on the other side of that. But it's all about making sure you're setting goals around the things you do around the processes you're putting in place, because that's what's going to help you get closer to your goals for the entire year.
0: So for those of us who may or may not be control freaks, I love that you mentioned... Like the things that you can control. That definitely stuck out to me as somebody, again, who may or may not be a semi-control freak. And so if you have a difficult time deciphering if you can actually control it or not, like what would you say to people and what would the criteria be in order to know if you actually can control it or not?
1: Yeah. So if someone gives me a revenue goal, which I love revenue goals, they're great. But I would consider that an aspirational goal because there's no button I can push that magically makes that revenue happen. There's a series of actions that need to happen in order for me to achieve that revenue goal or that number of clients or what have you. So I want you to think about it in terms of, is this a thing that is checkoffable? Can I actually check it off and say, this is the action I took that is leading to where I want to go in my business?
0: Yeah, that's super perfect. I love that delineation. So, okay, cool. What's next? So
1: once you've sat down and thought through your goals for the next 90 days, they're all checkoffable, right? So there are things that you're actually committing to in order to get to where you want to go. Then it's important to make sure that you're not overloading your plate. What I tend to see entrepreneurs especially, is we are great at coming up with ideas and setting goals and creating the vision boards, but we're not so great at the follow through. So the key to flipping that around and getting great at follow through is to start small and start with fewer goals. And this might sound very counterintuitive because of course in the entrepreneurial space, we're told to go big or go home all of the time. But the problem is when you are trying to get consistent and go after things in your business, it's the follow through that matters the most. And it's much easier to accomplish three goals than to accomplish 10. So make sure that you're really evaluating your goals and saying, do I have the bandwidth to accomplish this goal in the timeframe I'm giving myself? When I look at all of the goals that I've put down, do I have the time and energy and resources that I need in order to make this happen? Or do I need to narrow my focus in order to make sure I can follow through on these things? Now, going through that process is painful because no one likes to take things off the list. We like to add things to the list, but I'm going to encourage you to get an eye that is more of an editing eye as you're going through this planning process and really narrow your focus, really strip things down as much as you can so that you're not putting too much on your plate. I often get people who ask me, well, what do I do if there are these things I want to do, but I don't think I have time for them right now? I create what I call an idea parking lot This is as simple as a Google Drive, you know, folder or a Google Doc where you keep all of the ideas or projects or things you want to do, but you just don't have the bandwidth or the resources to do them right this very minute. And the next quarter, you can come back and Chase that new program or that new book or that new thing that you want to do.
0: Oh my gosh. It's so funny because you must have said Idea Parking Lot in one of your podcast episodes because I was talking to somebody and I referenced it. And I was like, I have no idea where I heard this from, but this is not my thing. This is somebody else's. So now I can remember and can reference that back to the person I was talking to. And secondly, with that, is, you know, there's a lot of people who will use, I don't want to say an excuse. Use per se, but you know, we're personality junkies, all the listeners, myself. And so, you know, we a lot of people will operate very strictly that what their assessment is true, what their assessment results are, are truth. And so, I'm imagining a lot of and maybe not necessarily listeners per se, however, just folks in general who, you know, are told that. They're supposed to be just the ideas person. They're not supposed to be implementing. That's not like, you know, visionaries versus integrators. And, you know, you should be just the ideas person. I guess wrangle. And I, and I heard you mention kind of the editing eye, but how do you wrangle if you are really an ideas person to like simmer down and <laughs> hunker down and like actually finish something?
1: I'm going to say it really depends on where you are in your business. The- model you have and what your team looks like Yeah, because unless you have a team full of implementers then you do still have to implement <laughs> there is no business without the implementation piece and even in the business that I have I actually have a great episode that you can send people to about defining your role as CEO mm-hmm. I still have three core things in my business that I'm responsible for implementing I'm responsible for spearheading the content in my business I'm responsible for bringing in the clients in my business and I'm responsible for connecting with other people so that I can have opportunities like this to speak to your audience on your podcast. And those are all related to implementation. Now, I do have help to implement those things, but it is up to me to spearhead those things. So what I usually see for a lot of people as they start growing their business and start adding team to their business Is you can pass off implementation first to the lower level tasks, kind of those admin operations, customer service tasks, the technical, you know, website, making the doodad connect with the thingamabob. Those types of things are really easy to outsource and to get people to take on and implement those for you. But unless you have a full-on marketing department and sales team, you will probably still be responsible for being that driving force in growing the business. So you might have some things you're having other people help you implement, and that's going to be part of your planning. So for each goal, example, my podcast goal of having 13 episodes a quarter, I am responsible for a portion of the implementation of that. I'm responsible for coming up with the content ideas, brainstorming the content outlines, and then sitting my butt in the chair and pressing record. (laughs) Then I tag in my team and they handle all of the rest of the magic until it hits iTunes and goes out in our email newsletter. So there is a little bit of both happening but still the implementation has got to be there.
0: Yep. I so, so agree. All right, great. What's next? (laughs)
1: So once you have sat down and you have a clear list of three to five goals, ideally, and I'm, again, I'll come back a million times and say three to five, three to five, keep it manageable, especially if this is the first time really focusing on following through, then you want to brainstorm all of the action steps to achieve the goal. This is where I actually get down and dirty with my post-it notes (laughs) I write out an action step per post-it note until I have a huge little stack of all of the things that need to happen in order to achieve that specific goal. Once you have done the brainstorming part, again, then you get to do the editing part. Because sometimes when we're brainstorming all the ways that we can achieve a specific goal, we tend to come up with more things than we actually need. And we don't want to be overwhelming ourselves. So when you brainstorm all the action steps, you want to think about, okay, what is mine? And what belongs to someone on my team? Do I need to hire some support for someone to help me with this? Is there something that I need to know in order to implement this step? So maybe I need to take a training Or I need to learn how to do a specific skill. Then you have an action step and it's clear, like, is this something I can take on and tackle? Can I delegate it? Do I need to learn something in order to implement it? And then finally, as you're sitting there looking at all these action steps, you want to edit down. And I always separate things into two categories. One is the must-do tasks and one is the nice-to-do tasks. And I think this is really important to think about because if you're running a launch, for example, a lot of people probably know that language and process, there are certain things that are must do for a launch, right? You probably want to make sure you have a sales page ready, want to make sure people can pay you and that all the things are connected. So when they pay you, they get the thing. But a nice to do could be creating a whole new webinar for that launch or rewriting all of your sales copy for that launch. So I like to separate those things out. And that way I have the must-dos, which is like the minimum viable action I need to do in order to move the ball forward on that particular goal. And the nice-to-dos, which are just kind of continuously improving on a process or a system you might have in place in your business.
0: I think it's good to delineate when you should improve and when like something is good enough. You know, thinking about this podcast batching process, like, We haven't really improved, quote unquote, this process for like, I don't even know, like two years. And it's had different people in different slots. However, the actual process has been the exact same. So it's like, could I possibly, you know, make that better and more streamlined and whatnot? Maybe. But if it's good enough and there's, it's not really, things aren't slipping through the cracks and et cetera then it's better for me to put more time into the processes that are needing to be more streamlined because they're either newer or they haven't been done before or things like that. And so I think I like that you talked about kind of the iteration part and whatnot. So anything else that we have to
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of keeping it simple as you start something and then adding things on so that you're building the system each time you run it. Totally. That makes life so much easier, especially if it's the first time you're launching something which is often when I find people just completely stressed out and overwhelmed because they've never run that system and they're trying to run the most complex system they can find instead of saying well what if I just did a simpler launch (laughs) so that I could get the first level in and then layer on as I go. So the next thing I would do is you're sitting down and mapping out your 90 days. You know, so far we have our 90 day goals. We've brainstormed our action steps. We've edited down those action steps. So we're really clear about what we need in order to implement them. Now we need to actually break them apart into what I call your 30, 60, 90. And this is really important because... Often I work with entrepreneurs and they tend to front load all of their tasks and then they or their team get really overwhelmed really quickly. So if you've ever started planning, like at the beginning of the year and you start off feeling like, yes, I'm just going to kill it this year. I'm going to go after everything. And you are working, 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 working. And then about three weeks in, you're like, oh, this is way too much. I need a break now. It's probably because you front loaded all the tasks that really should take 60 days or 90 days to do, trying to do them in just the first 30. So I break things into a 30, 60, 90. This is where having like desktop calendar or something like that to break things out is really, really helpful. So I always start looking at the next 30 days, the next 60 days, the next 90 days. I look at where I'm taking time off. Now, I know this year has been a little intense and maybe we all feel like we're at some weird time standstill because we're at home all the time, but we still need to plan time off into the calendar. And this is where I will actually write in days where I am taking a three-day weekend or where I'm gonna celebrate my husband's birthday or anything like that. Even if we are all stuck at home for the remainder of the year, it's okay. We wanna make sure that we're giving ourselves dedicated days off. And then we're also accounting for those in our planning so that we're not trying to run a launch during your kid's birthday. So you wanna plug in the time off that you have. Then you wanna go through and ask yourself some quick questions for each month. First, what are you selling each month? I truly believe every single month we should have something available for sale that we are actively promoting to our audience. This is one of the keys to having a predictably profitable business. You're selling something every month. So I want you to think about what is it that you're offering the next 30 days, the next 60 days, and the next 90 days. Plug that into your calendar so you know what product program or service you're actively promoting. Then you want to think through your marketing strategy. What are you doing to attract new people into your business? So this is actually getting in front of fresh people who do not know who you are and bringing that awareness to them, bringing them towards your business. So this could be going out and doing podcast interviews, this could be speaking, guest teaching, this could be running ads, anything when you're getting in front of a new audience who doesn't know who you are and then inviting them to come learn more about you and your business. Then when you invite them to come learn more about your business, you are engaging with them in some way. So you're usually asking for a name and email address or some sort of contact information, maybe they're gonna fill out a form for a consult, a request for a proposal, something along those lines so that you can start the conversation and start building the relationship with them. And you wanna have a real clear idea of what it is that step is. And then finally, what are you doing to engage with people as they are coming towards your business? So how are you not just engaged, nurturing those people? So for me, this is my content going out, my newsletter, my podcast, all everything on my social media that is continuing to build the relationship with people who've already gotten to be a little bit more familiar with my business and how I can support them. And now it's really a matter of, is this thing that I have the right fit for them? Is it the right next step for them to take? Once you've gone through the next 30 days, the next 60 days, and the next 90 days, and you've asked yourself, when am I taking time off? What am I selling? And how am I doing my marketing strategy here? You might have found that some of your goals already slot right into one of those things, but you might have goals that aren't part of your sales and marketing. So maybe you're working on a bigger project like writing a book. Well, then we need to decide what are the milestones for the next 30 days, the next 60 days, the next 90 days in order to make sure you're chipping away at that goal on a really consistent
0: basis. Absolutely. I love that you talked about putting time off on the calendars or like important dates or things like that. Because even with like the election happening. Like I saw that at the beginning of this year and was like, so not doing anything in October or November check. And like, you know, that's less of a personal thing, but more of of what's going on in the world. But you also want to include birthdays or special times that you'll want to vacations, or I guess technically go to your backyard during all of this. So, you know, I think, It's so important to prioritize that. And as somebody who is obsessed with having time and space, this really is where you start to prioritize yourself and not enough business owners are doing that. So I think a lot of people are going to resonate with, you know, everything you're saying and also the simple shift of putting that time and space off first is gonna make a real difference for a lot of folks. So so I'm glad that you that you touched on that for real.
1: Yes. It is so so important. It's a big part of my overall philosophy is if it starts to feel like you're living at work, then we have to adjust the plan quite a bit. Yeah,
0: exactly. Have you been dying to create a VIP day or virtual intensive offering, but are stuck in overthinking everything? You love what you do and how you support your clients, but lately it's become, well, too much. You may even be hitting your monthly revenue goals, but you're left completely exhausted. Yeah, been there, bought the t-shirt and the mug. Good news, I've built my virtual VIP day bootcamp that walks you through the nine steps to create and selling a one-day virtual intensive. Grab the podcast-only pricing of $37 for this two-hour training plus tons of bonuses to build and sell your own one-day virtual intensive. Since 2016, I've completely replaced monthly retainers with one-day virtual intensives and VIP weekends. So join me and stop dealing with the late-night slack pings, lacking control over your own calendar, chasing invoices, explaining scope creep. Again, you catch my drift. Head on over to systemsami.com slash podbootcamp. That's P-O-D. B-O-O-T-C-A-M-P and grab the goods. All right, back to the episode. And I know that you mentioned post-its and uh, some other goodness. Was there any other tips or tricks that you wanted to give before I talk about tools and fun stuff?
1: Yeah, so once you have this, probably by now, a calendar full of post-it notes where you've actually mapped out when things are going to get done, actually putting those post-it notes at different weeks in the calendar, This is you creating a project plan and now you can actually go in and communicate to your team. You can have a team meeting, you can load it up into your project management system and make it so much easier for everybody to implement and move forward and also to hold each other accountable.
0: Yeah. And so when you say project plan, are you meaning in like Asana or Trello or like, what do you mean by project plan?
1: Yeah, we use um, Asana. I know a lot of people use different tools, but this is where for every part of whatever the project is, we have all of the tasks mapped out, all of the things that you need to complete that task, whether it's a link or a login or a PDF or images or whatever, all in one place so that we can not only check things off, but we can pass things off. Because whenever you're working with a team, there's a lot of handoff happening. So you want to make sure that you're putting everything in one place. So whoever is
0: working on that goal with you can make
1: sure that they can support you fully in it.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big, big proponent of getting used to putting things into your Asana, Trello, ClickUp, whatever you use. Because then when you have a team, there's already going to be an adjustment of someone else being there. And so the extra stress or difficulty of trying to finagle project management softwares like should just be really like it shouldn't add more layers of stress it should be essentially changing your little face on your asana boards to somebody else's little face in the asana boards and that transition can be much much smoother and so it really starts with as a solopreneur if you're wanting to set yourself up for a team someday you know start getting used to your project management software for sure. So I do love Asana as well. I've been on Asana for a couple of years, and then I've been in ClickUp for a couple of years. So. I like all the tools.
1: Yeah. It's so easy to get started. And I want to reiterate too, that the beautiful thing about a lot of our plans as we get going with them, we'll find that there's repetition in what we're doing. One of my goals, which is my podcast goal every quarter has been a goal pretty much every quarter for years, but it's such a cornerstone of my entire marketing system. And when you're using a program like Asana, it makes it easier because then you're planning. All you have to do is go in there and duplicate the whole plan and it's already built for you. That's one of the things I love about tools like that is it helps you really cut down on the work because it helps you document the system.
0: Absolutely. And do you put your SOPs in Asana or do you have a separate place for those?
1: We do have a separate SOP that's more of like a training manual for the team. But as far as checking all of the tasks per like podcast episode, et cetera, that turns into a
0: huge long episode in su- like checklist inside of Asana. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of recent questions about the differences between SOPs and like actual task management. And so I thought it'd be interesting to ask you that. As well. I also have a separate SOP like training manual type thing Yeah, as well. So I get that. But, and then from there, basically it's just do the thing, I'm assuming, <laughs>
1: Basically from there, it is do the thing, but I follow a really clear weekly process. And this is why we ended up creating a print planner is because I am a planner addict and I was buying all these different planners and then destroying them as I was trying to make them work for me. I ended up getting into bullet journaling so that I could create this very specific spread every week to help myself stay accountable to the plan. Because again, I'm just like you, every entrepreneur on the planet, we love new ideas. And if we are left to our own devices, we will start something new every single week instead of following through. So I started creating this weekly planning page that I would follow every single week. And there's a few key components that I think anyone can do. And you can, again, I'll put a a download for this over at rachelcook.com slash systems. So that you can see my weekly planning system so every week i start by asking myself what am i doing for my marketing and my sales and this is something i ask every single week because when we get busy or we get in creative mode it's really easy to like turn off the gas on the marketing and sales and then you realize oh the clients are wrapping up or i need to get ready for a launch and you haven't been keeping up with it so every week i'm asking myself what am i doing this week to attract new people in my business? Well, this week I'm writing in System Save Me podcast (laughs) because I'm talking with you all. Then what am I doing to engage those listeners to invite them to come learn more about working with me? I'm going to invite them by having a specific landing page on my website with a freebie on it that you guys can all go download. And this starts our whole relationship where you can learn more about working with me. What am I doing for nurture? Well, I'm creating a podcast episode on my podcast, Promote Yourself to CEO. I'm sending out my newsletter. I'm showing up on my socials. And all of that is part of just building the relationship. Then what am I doing to invite people into whatever it is I have Going on. So, depending on when this all goes out, (laughs) it could be inviting people to check out the CEO planner, which is available on our site, to check out the CEO retreat where we work with you to create your 90 day plans, or check out our higher level online mastermind experience, the CEO Collective. And then finally, my favorite question to ask every week is how am I delighting my clients? And I think this is an overlooked area, but it can be as simple as this week I'm sending out really cute little candles I had made for the members of the collective who submitted a form for their accountability to me. So they're going to get a little prize in the mail, which I love doing. So I'm asking myself these questions every week to make sure that that marketing engine is running really smoothly. And I'm consistently showing up and making sure that I'm getting in front of people, nurturing those people, and then converting those people into paying clients. So that's one part of this page.
0: Before you say whatever you're saying next, what I love is like, I'm very systematic with my follow-up as well. And I'm very, it's a priority to me to follow up with people. And it always is so fascinating to me, Rachel. And I don't know if you've experienced this. I'm I'm sure you have where I am looking to hire, fully looking to hire this person and because of either a referral or whatever else. And then I ask them to either like, give me a week because this week is crazy and, you know, follow up with me in a week or, you know, can you send me more documentation about how you work with people? And they just don't. And it's like, what is happening? What just occurred? Like, and it feels as if like the rug has been pulled underneath you. And so again, if, you know, it's a lot of well-intentioned people, these people are not bad at, in any stretch of the imagination. And they missed out on an opportunity to, to grow their business. And I see way too many people complaining or, you know, upset about how they aren't hitting their goals. When a lot of times the opportunities are there, you just are not on top of your follow-up game. And so I love that you shared your like whole process and system around, like what the follow-up is after podcast episodes or follow-up, what looks like for your clients, because I think that's so important. It's like everything basically, <laughs> in my
1: opinion. When you build it in, then it just becomes so much easier. If you're not having to sit down every week and ask yourself, well, what am I doing next? You already know, like, cause this is the rhythm you are now adopting in your business. So true. Yeah. So the next thing I do is I make sure I have down my top three every week. And a lot of people talk about having a top three every week. These are the most important must do come hell or high water tasks that you are going to get done. And this is huge for self-accountability and self-accountability is a habit you have to really work on because we are not used to being accountable to ourselves. We're used to being accountable to other people which is why I often see entrepreneurs who are always working on client stuff, but they're never actually getting the things done in their business that they want to get done. So I make sure I'm mapping out my top three, which are usually those action steps that came out of my goal setting already. And this is going to get done in my business. My goal is to get them all done by Thursday. (laughs) If I get all these things done by Thursday, I get to take Friday off and I get to actually enjoy my life instead of trying to cram the important stuff in the nooks and crannies of the rest of my work week.
0: Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love it. I think that's just such a great way to, again, express like self accountability. I think that is really what people are struggling with. I think that a lot of people are motivated and are more accountable when somebody else is holding them to it. But for them to hold themselves accountable is just really, diff- and I'm not speaking from, you know, a separate place. You know, I would say that I'm pretty internally motivated and whatnot. However, you know, when it comes to accountability, you know, having a team really does help with your accountability or being in masterminds or group coaching programs because you see other people making moves and you don't want to be the one that, that isn't making moves. However, you know, that, that an accountability piece and, and honestly, self-integrity, like if you tell yourself you're going to do something and then you put all these other barriers away, like how is that actually... Providing you like actual support and like self worth. And like, if you just are okay with letting everything else happen before you're taken care of or you get what you need to get done, then what are you really saying about yourself that you're like the least important thing on the to do list or that like, your business isn't that important. That's internally what is happening, whether you're like conscious of that or not. So I love that you touch on this, this piece because it really is, it's a game changer for sure. So I have loved all of this. We are going to have all of the links, all of the things. So you can go bend your whole life away when it comes to Rachel, because again, she, as you can tell, she is deep in this work and really the questions he's asking and the resources that she's going to have available are really going to be helpful to you guys when it comes to making sure that you are maximizing your quarters as you know, as much as possible, and even better than you were maximizing your years. So with that being said, I know we mentioned some tools here and there, like Asana and post and fun stuff. Any other tools that you would suggest or want to touch on for folks wanting to implement this CEO planner?
1: Yeah, well, one is the planner itself. You can come get one or learn more about it at my website, because we've put the whole system into a print planner. And the reason I love having a print planner is that When it is on my desk and I see my goals every single day, I see my priorities every single day, then I'm more focused. When things get lost in a project management system or in a Google Drive folder and you're not looking at them daily, it is more likely that you'll get off track. So whether you use our planner or another planner, I really, really believe in the old school like pen and paper in front of you approach because it does do something different when it's on your desk every single day and you're touching it every single day.
0: Yeah. So, so true. And then speaking of resources, what is the freebie that you have for our listeners?
1: Yeah. If you head over to rachelcook.com slash systems, I will be sharing with you an example of our weekly planning page so that you can download it, print it out and try it out. I'll also have a little mini training of how we use this page to stay accountable we follow a time tracking process where you're actually giving value to each of the types of tasks you're doing in your business so that you stay radically accountable. And this is something that I give to my private clients. I actually make them take a picture of their planning page every week and send it to me so that I can see if they're working on the $10,000 an hour tasks or if they're getting caught in that $10 an hour busy work and it'll help us course correct a lot faster.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I love the try before you buy opportunities so that you, again, like don't just have another planner sitting on your desk. You actually know that you're going to use it because you've tried it out and it's worked for you. So where else can people find you? So obviously share your podcast, website, Instagram, wherever you want people to go.
1: Yeah, of course. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing my podcast like five different times already. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs)
0: It's so good.
1: But I honestly, I love my podcast and Instagram is my favorite place to connect. So if you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot of it. Tag me at Rachel Cook, tag Jordan, and then let us know um, your biggest insight or takeaway from the episode. I'd love to chat with you about it.
0: Sweet. And my people will definitely come on Instagram and DM you for sure. So definitely do that. And again, thank you so, so much, Rachel, for a great episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the System Saved Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at System Saved Me.